0: All right. Don't forget
1: the book club.
0: Yes, ma'am. Hosting and bandwidth provided by the Blue Box Group. Check them out at bluebox.net. You're fantastic at coding, but do you have an action plan to take it to the next level? The upcoming book, Next Level Freelance, will help you optimize your freelance business for happiness. The book is packed with actionable steps to make more money, case studies, tips to find more clients, and exercises for you to establish your desired lifestyle. Extras include nine interviews with freelancers who make great money while enjoying great work-life balance, videos on strategies to find quality subcontractors, and videos on making more free time by outsourcing your daily tasks. Check it out today, nextlevelfreelance.com. This episode is sponsored by PlanScope. PlanScope is a project management and collaboration app built for freelancers and the way they work with clients. It makes it easy to price out new estimates, and once you're underway, help answer the question, will this get done on time and under budget? I've been using PlanScope to do my estimates and manage my projects, and I really, really like it. It makes it really easy to keep things in order and understand when things will get done. You can go check it out at planscope.io. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 83 of The Freelancer Show. This week on our panel, we have Ash Dryden. Hi, there. Curtis McHale. day, Reuven Lerner. Hi, everyone. Eric Davis. Hi. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv, with a quick reminder to go check out my freelancing video at goingroguevideo.com. We also have a special guest, and that is Mandy Moore. Hello. So, since you haven't been on the show before... Though you've listened to every show. Uh, (laughs) Do you want to introduce yourself?
1: I listen to every show twice. So my name is Mandy Moore. I am also known in the community as the Ruby rep. And my job, some people categorize it as a virtual assistant, audio engineer, podcast pro, secretary.
0: Lifesaver.
1: Uh, (laughs) Chuck called me, uh, the M I S H makes important stuff happen, you know, (laughs) so, so I do it all and I really don't have a title per se, but I just, I guess, play a role in getting stuff done in the community.
0: Awesome. I don't know what we would do without you. So I'm glad to have you. Um, before we get too far into this, I want to remind people that we're going to be doing a book club with Joe Kuttner. In a couple of weeks, we're going to be reading his book, "The Healthy Programmer." So go pick it up and uh, give it a read. I'm a little curious how how is uh, because you're you're effectively a freelancer. How, How is freelancing for you different than freelancing for us?
1: Well, I'm not a programmer, number one. I'm not a developer. I know no code. I mean, I work from home. I run my own business, do my own accounting, finances, and everything. But I just (laughs) basically just do a bunch of stuff to help get things done. I run a lot of podcasts, do a lot of secretarial stuff, book guests for the shows, remind the guests to show up for shows. That's pretty much what I do.
0: Man, sounds like your clients work you to the bone.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, sometimes it can be a bit tiring, but I really like it and I like being able to work from home and around my daughter and be able to take her to the doctor if necessary and make dinner at night and then come back, make my own hours, stuff like that and it's it's great.
0: How did you get into uh virtual assisting or podcast proing or whatever you want to call it?
1: Well, it was um Darn luck, I was a single mom on my own and I needed to work from home. I was a former waitress, and as you can imagine, that's not a very lucrative career for somebody who's raising a, a child on their own with daycare and babysitting and stuff like that, especially when you're working till 2 in the morning. So I was trying to find a job where I could be working from home, and I ran into a post that Avdi Grimm put out on Odesk. And at first I was skeptical, but then we had a uh, Skype meeting and he was like, you know, you basically work from home. I'll pay you this amount of money per hour. And um, we started off slow. And at first I was pretty overwhelmed because I was like, what is he talking about? What is Ruby? What is this? And I... I was really nervous, but I I pulled through it, learned a lot about, you know, open source. I mean, just just stuff I've never heard of before, but it's really familiar to you programmers in general and picked up some of the language and figured it out. And he ended up recommending me eventually to the point where I was able to make it full time. I started working uh, for Brian Helmkamp of Code Climate, doing some stuff for him he was my second client, so I just kind of built by word of mouth. Now I'm full-time, basically, you know, Chuck is my main client.
0: Yeah, I make her work a lot.
1: Yeah, I'd say about 20, 22, sometimes 25 hours a week.
0: Well, good for me. <laughs> <Good> for-
2: <laughs> <laughs> Maddie, are you still working with other people too, or is, is you know, the, the 20-some-odd hours a week enough to fill your time?
1: No, I am still working for Avdi. I do run the Wide Teams podcast. I also still do a lot of scheduling and calendar stuff for Brian Helmkamp. Um, and then uh, my most recent client is um, Nathan Harvey and Brian Berry of the Food Fight Show. So I edit their podcast, but I just edit the podcast and do the show notes. I don't really do the whole running of the, the community scheduling guests and stuff like that for them because I do enough of that here I don't want to get people confused
0: (laughs) (laughs) so every so often I run into somebody who is looking to kind of make a career change or they're not happy with what they're doing and you know I I tell them well you should just you know go do virtual assisting I think you'd be good at it you're you know you're detail oriented and whatever what skill set do people need to do what you do and what would you recommend to people who are thinking about going into this as a career
1: well, my biggest thing is, I guess it could be a downfall because I am rather OCD. So my biggest four things that I recommend to people who are looking to, what I, to do what I do is consistency, dedication, communication, and motivation. I have never missed a podcast. I've never said to Chuck, I cannot do this. I can't make it happen. Because when I say I'm going to do something... I'm going to do it. Dedication. No matter how much, I feel like I bug Chuck. I'm like, okay, ping. Remember to do this. Have you uploaded the files yet? Have you done this yet? And then, you know, getting up every morning, checking my email, making sure action items get done, following up. I love follow-up CC. I am constantly using that because if a guest if you want a guest on a show, then if they say, well, not right now, but hit me again in a couple months, I set a reminder and then emails me a few months later and I follow up with them. I'm like, you said to remind you in a few months, are you still interested in coming on the show? And then more than likely they say yes and we set up a time. You know, communication a big part. I answer every email, every email. It doesn't matter if it's small or how menial it is if somebody says, well, I didn't get invited to Parley and I know I invited them. I'll still go back and re-invite them and say, okay, I've sent the invitation again. If you have any problems this time, please check your spam stamp folder first. And if there's another issue, we'll get it fixed right away. So people know that I am there for them and communicating. You know, customer support is a big thing. And no matter how much, sometimes you can be in a bad mood, wake up on the wrong side of the day out of the bed every day and be like, "Oh, more email." but you've got <laughs> you, you've got to just push through, and that's the biggest thing.:
3: So do you use a system or anything to like keep track of all this stuff besides just email or using, I don't know, even like omnifocus or anything like that?:
1: I use Evernote a lot. Because it syncs with my iPhone, I have files. I've showed Avdi before. I'm like, isn't this creepy? I have a file for you on my computer. <laughs> isn't uh, I have a I have a file for Chuck. I have a file for Nathan. You know, I I have everything separated into notebooks, and yeah, I'm like the CIA. <laughs> <laughs> Really, I just check my email and the ones that like even on the weekends, I used to work every weekend and seven days a week. And then finally, I was like, I can't do this anymore. So I work a regular Monday through Friday. If people talk to me on the weekends, I just mark it as unread. And those are action items first thing Monday. But other than that, Evernote and email, I use Thunderbird and my iPhone.
0: I would I would love to see how you use Evernote. Um, it's
1: re- it's really not, it's it's not as complicated, whatever you call system? it. System? System. There <laughs> we go. Yeah. How
2: often do you talk to your various uh, clients about the tasks that you have to do and the priorities?
1: Honestly, not that much. My biggest window for talking to my clients is through Skype. And if I need to talk to them or say something to them, then I say it. Yeah, Skype is just the the biggest tool. I mean, email you know, they pretty much just let me go. Because there's just not. I've gotten in the groove so much that it's just second nature to me. And I don't really need that much support.
4: So I'm kind of interested. Lately, I've been thinking about hiring someone that does the exact kind of of thing that you do. um, Because there's a lot of stuff that can't be automated and needs a human. But I have this issue where like email is definitely something where I need the most help with. But Everything is in my email, like all, you know, all the ability to reset passwords, banking information, personal information, like all of that stuff is in my email. Is there a system that you use with your clients to basically separate out the emails that they want you to take care of or like any any other things in their inbox that they want you to take care of just to kind of maintain some kind of level of like information security? Yeah. What
1: works well is using LastPass for passwords for websites. Now, there's not to say, I mean, I have passwords to all my clients' PayPal accounts and everything, so that's where trust, you know, a big level of trust comes into play because I would never, ever steal from anybody, and that is the, you know, you, you've got to maintain some level of trust with your clients. But as far as email goes... I have found that if you do hire an assistant, you make them your own, their own email address, like Mandy at Ashdryden.com. And then you put all your email, like you, you only give your, you the people you want to talk to your personal email. But like, you know, Mandy at Dryden, or, assistant at ashdryden.com, something like that. And then on all your websites and all your pages where you refer people for support, that's the email address you use. And then the ones that you need to take action on, I'll say, you know, forward it here to Ash at your other email address. And then the ones that I can take care of without you, I take care of it and then BCC you and like, okay, this has been taken care of. So you can just basically look and delete that email.
4: That makes sense. So that's awesome. And I I knew that you would have some kind of amazing system for it. The other question I have is, do you have somewhere that you go, like, as programmers, like, we have places that we go to, like, learn new tips and tricks and to, like, uh, kind of stay on the cutting edge of, like, the best way to do things. Do you have a place that you go to learn um, more things, like, how you know how you can be more efficient at doing something um so you can be billing more hours or doing less work
1: yes i'm not very in with the virtual assistant administrative consultative community um i've basically just learned on my own but i do read a lot of books I don't know the name of it, but I, if I can find it, I'll stick it in the show notes, but it was a really good way. It was like the A to Z virtual assist, guide for virtual assistants, which told you a bunch of tools to, that are good to download and use. And then I just actually signed up for Brennan Dunn's Freelancers Guild, which I'm really excited to start. We haven't started yet, but I'm, um, I just got my class and we're working out time and schedule so I'm really excited to be a part of that and see how that goes but as far as having my own community I don't really I kind of interact with the programmers and developers more so than any other assistance community because I just I just do that's
4: that's all I can say about that sure makes sense
0: I kind of want to go along the same lines that we've been asking about here. What kinds of things do you wind up doing for your clients? I mean, you've mentioned editing podcasts, but what other things can people delegate to a virtual assistant or somebody like them?
1: Sure. By far, my favorite is the podcast editing. I really, really take pride and I get better with each and every one learning the controls and, and being better about taking out the ums and the ahs and the awkward pauses and splicing words together so they they sound good as far as other things to delegate you can have them do airline reservations um, searching for the best deals uh, booking hotel rooms also I some I I schedule a lot of haircuts for Brian (laughs) Helmkamp I I also to keep track of Parley I I, am for Ruby Rogues I add them and keep up with that also, with books, um, I do a lot with uh, DPD digital product downloads, and do a lot of book support for Avdi. So people lose their links to download as ebook. I take care of that. Uh, you can also ask them if they'll do be open to doing other tasks, like you know, find out where the best place to eat in the next place you're traveling is, and make reservations and things like that
2: why do you continue like being a general purpose VA and not just sort of move into podcast editing?
1: Well, that's what I'm doing.
2: <laughs> ah, well, I, there you go.
1: I, I was, I was a general purpose VA for, I guess the first year and I didn't mind doing it, but then it just kind of became like, you know, more secretarial and I'm trying to get less secretarial and more into a niche and the niche that I really enjoy is the podcast editing. But for, You know, people just getting into it, you do have to work your way up. I had no idea how to podcast edit or you use the software or anything when I first started. I learned and I got good at it. So then more and more I could drop out of doing the more secretarial type stuff and move into doing the things that I like to do, which is podcast editing.
4: We talk a lot about either like pricing ourselves out of things that people wouldn't want to pay for Or the kinds of clients we don't want to have, or just kind of optimizing for the stuff that we do enjoy doing, or like the things that we can like grow doing or, you know, be more well known for doing. So out of curiosity, are there things that um, you're doing to kind of position yourself so people know that podcast editing is something you want to do?
1: Yeah, and I talked a lot about that when I went on the Rogues Retreat in, in Texas uh, a few months ago, that, you know, I'm kind of working toward the title of just, you know, podcast expert, audio engineer. You know, I still, for my older clients, I'm not going to quit on them and be like, I don't like doing that anymore. I'm still going to do it. But, you know, when I do take on new clients, you know, I, I'm beginning to be known for just podcasts. So, you know, it takes a lot of word of mouth and a lot of doing stuff that you might not necessarily like to getting to do the stuff that you really do love doing.
0: Yeah, well, the thing is, is that, I mean, if if you have enough work and you, you know, you can phase all the way over to podcast production, I would actually be fine finding somebody else to do the stuff you don't want to do but it, I like having one go-to person. and
1: uh, Well, yeah, and I like scheduling. I like interacting with the guests. I like scheduling the guests. I like doing all that other kind of stuff. And all the stuff that I do for you, Chuck, Like, I really do enjoy doing.
0: Yeah, and we, I know that we talked a little bit about it with you at the Rogues Retreat, but have you thought about bringing somebody else on to do the stuff you don't like to do?
1: I have, and I am currently in the process of trying to make that happen. I just have a real problem with trying to carry on my my hard work and dedication and trusting somebody else to do the same thing and the same work that I do and give my clients the same level of dedication that I'm really devoted to doing. And to me, it's scary to try and branch out like that a little bit. So it's kind of somewhat of my own insecurities doing that, but i want I want to do it because I want to grow and you know kind of have the developer niche programmer niche and be able to not have to say no to people who want me to do things and because I just don't have the time, you know i I, I need to sleep, I need to spend time with my family. so I don't like having to turn people away. So I do want to bring more people on but it's also a matter of who to bring on.
4: I think that's something that every freelancer has dealt with. Like, I mean, Chuck has talked about, you know, hiring um, other people to help him out. And, uh, I think that all of the concerns you just voiced were like the exact same things <laughs> that all of us have thought about mm-hmm. bringing somebody else on to help us because, you know, we want to be able to tackle a bigger market. We want to be able to work on bigger projects because it's hard to do, you know, larger projects when it's just you. Um, want to be able to grow your business and your opportunities. Want to be able to um, have somebody else do all of the kind of work that you don't enjoy doing so you can spend more time doing the stuff you do like doing. Um, so I definitely don't think you're alone in that, yeah, it's scary
1: and and, and it's a real thing and it it's it gives you anxiety and just kind of the jitters like I worry about that first bad review, <laughs> right.
0: I think it's funny too that uh you're you're talking about i I really have trouble just you know letting letting go and letting somebody else take care of it, but that's exactly what we have to do when we hire you.
1: Yeah, I know. And that's why I'm so big on the trust factor too. And that was one of the the main reasons I wanted to go to Texas so bad was to meet you in person so that, you know, you got a sense of who I am and who you're working with. And not just a face behind the computer screen. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. And and that makes sense. And that that personal rapport really does uh, make a difference.
2: I have a question. So I guess it was about 10, 13 years ago already when I had a few people working for me. So I actually had a, I had an office and I, a bunch of people working for me and a secretary. And this was the first and only time, I guess for about a year that I had a secretary. And I found, you know, it's, it's actually kind of nice. It's kind of convenient to have someone, you know, working for me and taking care of errands and going to the bank and doing scheduling and so forth. But nowadays it's just me. I mean, I have someone working for me also, but basically he just works on full-time projects. I keep thinking on the one hand that there are these things that I, I want to take care of that I just would rather have someone else do. But it's not obvious to me if a VA is the right kind of person because so much of it is really sort of in-person, uh, again, going to the post office, going to the bank, that sort of thing. So is it possible to hire – I mean, not, not you, but like, is it possible to hire VAs on a very short-term basis, like if I just need an hour a week, two hours a week, or is it generally a, a longer-term commitment?
1: Well, I'd say if you're going to hire somebody in person, then it would probably be their you know best interest to be full-time for you because – you can't just hire somebody to come in for 2 hours and, you know, because I'm sure they want to have a full-time job. Now, if you just want somebody to do a couple hours here and there remotely, like no, they can't go mm-hmm. to the bank for you. They can't go to the post office. They can't pick up your dry cleaning. But Odesk is a great place to get started. That's where I got started, and I really really like the system.
2: Interesting. See, it's, yeah, it's, I mean, you yeah. know, now, I, just, I, I thought about having someone take care of the stuff in person. But um, but right, I think it would be more practical to have someone do the remote stuff. But yeah, it would only be a few hours here and there. Odesk is an interesting idea.
1: Well, if, yeah, yeah if, you do, if you do Odesk, then you know that person who's working for you probably ha- you're not just their only client. They probably have four or five or six clients that they do one or two hours for every week.
0: The other mm-hmm. thing that I really like about Odesk is the fact that if it's just a one hour here, one hour there, you can actually just set up a, a contract for that one hour here or one hour there, and pay them for the job as opposed for uh, for the hour. And that way, you can say, "Hey, I'll pay you, you know, twenty dollars to do whatever it is that you need done." And then if they if it takes them ten hours, then fine. And if it takes them two hours, then fine. And you know, it really just boils down to you got the job done, and they feel like they were well compensated for it.
1: Yeah, that's a fixed price.
0: Yep.
5: Yeah, on the other hand, I actually have a VA from Odesk right now, and for her, I just have a budget set for like 10 hours a week, and I'll just throw stuff at her. Like, you know, I think last Friday I had her do some research, um, like market research type stuff that I could do, but it's, you know, a pretty time-intensive process. And she had it done by Monday. And then, you know, if I don't have anything for the week, then she works on other projects. And then, you know, it's nice because I can just give her a one or two hour task or like a larger 30, 40 hour task and just say, you know, you're going to take a couple of weeks to finish this. But it's like a low priority.
2: So, so Eric, it sounds like you don't have your VA do scheduling and email and such other than market research. What do you have them do? I guess a lot of market research stuff, a
5: lot of um, kind of collecting and collating information. I don't do. I don't. My email volume's not that much. I've been pretty strong about taking it out, and I don't schedule many meetings, so that's not a problem. Um, it's mostly like stuff that she could look online or like dig into, or you know, kind of public information, but public information that's scattered across you know 500 different sites. You know, pull all that together into like a Google Doc or something that I can go back and review, and then make the next step on
4: the Odess thing is interesting because I think about like how I work with other programmers and I almost always want a recommendation from somebody else that I know like somebody else who's worked with them who knows whether or not they're going to you know do the do the task to like my standards like kind of the same thing that you were worried about Mandy like I I want to know that I can control the quality and time and, you know, all the things that if I were doing it myself, I I would be able to control. So doing something like Odesk feels like, you know, one step removed from there. But I'm also, you know, not tapped into a community that uses um, virtual assistants or executive assistants, that kind of thing, that they would be able to recommend, you know, somebody for me.
0: We, We did do an episode about Odesk. Uh, a little while ago with uh, Jonathan, but yeah, you you do get the reviews of the other people who've hired him. Mandy, why don't you talk about the process you went through to find us a new transcriptionist when that happened?
1: Um, well, the the one transcriptionist I guess we'll call it just took a vacation without telling anybody. So,
0: <laughs>
1: so true story. It, it was around the holidays as well, so are they was, still
2: on vacation
1: <laughs> no they've since come back and they're doing back episodes mm-hmm. of the transcripts so we can get all the the transcripts done for the episodes like of the first ones that Chuck never had transcribed so she's she's working at the, on those at her own pace but the ones that I hired now I recommended to Chuck that we get two instead of one, because he was also starting iFreaks, and I figured it would be a lot better if we just had two instead of one, and we get more done faster. So I just kind of went on Odesk, and I said what I wanted. I said, I need two transcripts done every week. By this time, can you handle it? I interviewed a bunch of them, because those once you post a job on Odesk, they will pour in within the first ten minutes. And I went through the ones that, you know, really put time into their 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 response to me that weren't just this, you know, automatic, Copy and paste. This is what I'm gonna send to everybody to get a job. So I really recommend to people who are searching to get hired on Odesk that they write personal things. Like I could do this. I'm interested in this. I'm an ex. I'm an. I I know tech. I know language. I know this, and I'm good with accents and stuff like that. So the more personal you make your online resume, the better of a chance you have to get hired. But I found two that I felt that I liked and could trust and could handle everything, and I hired them, and they've been working for us for about a, a year.
5: I was gonna say I used the system for Odessa. I learned it from uh, Rob Walling. He has a product I'm gonna pick later. If people want to get into it. But um, when I was looking for like a VA, I got looks like 70 or I think it might have been 71 applicants, and it was only like I had I closed it after like you know 48 hours or so. And from that, if you're, you know, digging through it and kind of doing interviews with people, I ended up with one person that was really good. And there's, uh, I think, two other people that would have worked as backups if I needed it.
2: Chuck and, um, and Eric, since you guys have worked with VAs, how long does it take you to sort of, or how do you build up the trust relationship that Mandy was talking about so you feel comfortable giving them access to, you know, email and your image, but also, I don't know, do you give them access to your bank information?
0: I'll let Eric answer first. I haven't yet. I've hired...
5: I have My current one, which I got off on Odesk, and then two or three others in the past. I, I go through these cycles where I, need, I figure I need to learn to delegate correctly and be a manager and hire a VA, and then I run out of work and we kind of go our separate ways. Actually, I think all of them, it's only been kind of web research or non-sensitive like sensitive banking stuff. What I've heard from people is you kind of start on the basics and then you slowly... Give them more like trustworthy type stuff, and then as you work with them, you kind of you know they earn trust, and you s- sort of kind of like slowly develop them into someone where you can give them full account access and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think PayPal does, and I think maybe a couple other banks do. They can let you do like a limited uh, account status where someone can log in and do refunds and look at history, but they can't actually transfer money or do any like the higher, more I'm the owner type stuff. And that's something to look into too.
0: So for me, um, I went through three VAs before I got to Mandy and basically I would, I would just uh, send them the work that I needed done. Most of it was centered around the podcast. So it was getting the show notes up, getting the shows edited, things like that, getting graphics done. I had one guy that was uh, somewhat capable with uh, Photoshop and whatever. And so I would get inexpensive graphics because he just billed me for his time. But the problem was, is, was that none of them were reliable. Okay take it back one of them was reliable but didn't have a fast enough connection to actually upload anything to the internet anyway um, I'm not gonna go into too many of the details I've complained plenty about uh, <laughs> <laughs> about these these folks but anyway um, what do you mean anyway so with Mandy it was it was a little bit different because I handed her just a, a handful of things I mean I think I think initially I don't know if I told her exactly how many hours I expected her to work but I was really only thinking you know, three, four hours a week, and then we'll kind of ramp up from there. And the, the crazy thing was is that I'd send her stuff to do, and I'd get a, an email or a Skype message back within a couple of minutes saying that it was done. And that totally blew me away. And so immediately, you know, I started feeding her more and more stuff uh, to do. In fact, I started giving her the work that the other VA, who I was still paying for, was supposed to be doing. And, uh, yeah, it just worked out so that eventually, you know, at, as things uh, progressed, you know, it was like, okay, well, I need you to handle this other thing for me. And so she, she mentioned PayPal. Um, she does have a limited access account to my PayPal account and she could go in there and mess things up for me. But the thing is, is ah. that yeah, but we, uh you know, I needed her to do it. I didn't have much choice on, on that. But the other thing was that I had worked with her for long enough to know that I could pretty well count on her to just do her work and not do anything there. I mean, there was a little bit of risk cuz she was she'd only been working for me for a few months, but still it was it was a major victory to hand all of the parlay stuff off to her and not have to worry about it. So, um, Yeah, yeah
1: parlay is a big job to handle too because you have to keep track of all the the money that comes in and you know, the email addresses, make sure they go to the right stuff. So, that's that's a big part of my day is handling just parlay.
0: Yeah, we, we've we automated a lot of it now, so hopefully it'll become less and less of that. But since we made the transition to Discourse, I think it, it took an uptick because there, there were some issues getting people into the system. But, uh, you know, th- that kind of stuff. So she has access to that. She has access to my Stripe account. I don't think I've given her any credit card numbers yet, but she hasn't needed them. I haven't asked her to do anything where she would need them. But really at this point, you know, it just it's it's come down to the point where... We've done enough work together. She's she's uh, proven herself to me, and so I can just trust her to take care of it. But I think it really depends from person to person how that works out. And the other thing is, is that the the fact that she she showed integrity with the stuff that you know didn't involve credit card numbers or PayPal accounts. Um, in the sense that I'd ask her to do, I'd ask her to do something, she'd say she'd do it and it would get done. Even if she wound up in the hospital having gallbladder surgery, uh, she still got it done. <laughs> and even though we told her not to do it, she still got it done. And that's a, that's,
2: that's a pretty tough act to follow, you know? <laughs> but,
0: but I mean, it, it's that kind of thing. It's like, look, you know, if, if she, you know, she's a person of integrity, if she says she's gonna do something, she's gonna do it. And if, you know, if I extend trust in other ways, you know with my email account i'm pretty sure she has access to my email account i've given it to her at least once maybe twice yes i do and you know and that kind of thing again you know it it really can affect you know my reputation and things and it's just the the more you, the more you work with somebody and the more that you see that they are committed to doing the right thing for you the the better off you are and and then it's not a big deal to go okay well i need you to uh book me into a hotel here's my credit card number or you know things like that. I mean, Odesk is another example. You know, she could go and um, have people do a whole bunch of expensive work on there, but she she helps me find the best deals and she does a lot of the right things there. And so I, I think you really just have to have a, a track record of, of trust, and uh, and that's what it boils down to.
1: And and that's my my biggest goal is to provide people with that trust, and that's why I have such a, a fear of not maintaining that reputation.
4: So I have a question. I think that it's important to establish trust, especially when you're, you know, having somebody handle such valuable, um, like assets to your business or your personal life or whatever it is. Um, it's just, it's important to establish that as soon as possible. But Mandy, did you worry that you were, um, setting up unrealistic expectations, um, like answering, you know, whatever Chuck needed so quickly or, um, you know, doing all of those things um right away? Like do you do do you worry, I mean, and not just Chuck, anybody, that um that in doing those that quickly that they would always expect that level of promptness?
1: sometimes, but my main goal for everything was I just didn't want to go back to waitressing and just go out there and do what I could and make a name for myself and just succeed and show everybody around my county that I could succeed and I could build my own business and I could do these things. It was more of a, I'm going to prove that I can do it. So yeah, I, I do pride myself on being fast. Now, I mean, I, I try to tell everybody I will get it done if it's a reasonable project within 24 hours. But, you know, this is my, my career. So it's just like going to work every day. You, you, you've got to go to work every day. But, you know, I do pride myself on being fast and reliable. And even when I did go into the hospital, I was, you know, laying there and I was on my phone telling them what had happened. The next day I asked my boyfriend to bring in my computer to the hospital so I could answer a few emails before I went into surgery. Then he took it home and hid it until... <laughs> And he's like, you're taking 24 hours off. And that was miserable for me because I think maybe it's also me being a workaholic because I, I was like, please, just give me my – he's like, no, you're sitting on the couch and you're going to watch movies and TV all day and you're not doing anything. And I was like, okay, just give it to me tomorrow. <laughs>
0: The the funny thing was is I think Avdi and I because we're both on Ruby Rogues and so I think we had talked about it and I, I think we were both tempted to send him flowers for that because we wanted you to recover and be at a hundred percent more than we wanted the work done right away and and that's the other thing is just that that long term commitment goes both ways it it you know and and we've become friends since then too and and that's that's been another thing that's been really nice about this relationship.
1: Yeah, and that's that's how I feel. It should become eventually, you know. It's it's hard to trust at first, and it's hard for both parties. But I'm really happy with the way it's gone, and I am looking to expand. I just am waiting to make a move. Mm-hmm.
2: So I, I was just going to ask you, Mandy. You are our uh, most frequent listener, as you pointed out in the discussion before we started recording. You listen to every podcast twice, so you hear. Tons of advice on this show, and I guess on others as well, about your career as a freelancer and your work and your career goals and how to sort of move forward. And you've alluded to this a bit so far, but I'm wondering how have you decided to sort of push your career forward in the future differently than you might have uh, a year or two ago?
1: I get a lot of advice from listening to these shows. This one in particular, I, I used the um, "Getting a Raise." I forget which episode it was, that you guys were talking about how to how to get a raise, and I basically to a T asked Chuck and said, "I was like, well, I do this and I do this, and I've come through, and I've, you know, I followed the formula exactly." And he was just like, "Okay." <laughs> so, so I, I I do really get a lot out of these podcasts, and uh, especially you know the accountant and lawyer stuff. I, I do really pay attention to and, and use and a lot of the picks I check out, and I get a lot of good good advice for from this podcast.
0: Yeah, I remember that. So uh, you've all heard my train wreck story with uh, hiring assistants in the past, and I'm wondering, now that you've been doing this for a while, if you have advice for people who are looking for assistance so they don't wind up with somebody that they can't rely on or that doesn't do a good job.
1: I would say word of mouth is a big thing. Definitely do some research through this job. I don't like to say it, but I will admit I've become a great internet stalker and just trying to track down people's email addresses and how to get in touch with them for the shows because some people are very private and they don't put their email addresses on their GitHub accounts or their websites. And so sometimes I have to send out a general tweet and hope they respond. But my biggest advice is, you know, hire somebody that you do trust because somebody else trusts them. And that's that's what Avdi did for me. And I'm sure that plenty of people out there have assistants. Uh, I, I've heard her, Corey Haynes has a good assistant. I I don't know their name or anything, but there was a tweet the other week about somebody looking and they recommended me and Corey Haynes' assistant. So, you know, word of mouth and and just get yourself a small client while you still have another part-time job to rely on and do a few hours a week for one person. And once that one person likes you and trusts you, their word of mouth will get around
0: yeah, that makes sense, and and that's eventually what worked out for me was that Avdi was saying, "Well, hire Mandy; she's awesome." And
1: that's why he makes me call him Your Worship.
0: <laughs> he makes everybody <laughs> call him his, Your Worship. What uh, a guy! Yeah, it's a running gag on Ruby Rogues.
1: I start every email with "Good morning, Your Worship." Today oh, you have this <laughs> and this on your schedule. Have a wonderful day. <laughs> I'm ki- I'm kidding. <laughs> me, me and Avdi have established. That we mm-hmm. live very close to each other, so we have a st- established a good, you know, friendship on top of our working relationship. So our kids do play, and I his, I I know his wife as well. So we're we're good friends outside of work as well. We weren't. We started as a working relationship. I I think I worked for him for eight or nine months before I actually met him. Even though we lived twenty minutes away from each other.
2: Yeah, I was going to ask if you ever meet uh, meet people in person.
1: I've met all the clients that I currently do the most work for in person. Uh, I've met Nathan Harvey, Avdi, of course. I've met Brian, and I've met Chuck.
0: Yep. That's pretty great. All right. Well, I think we're getting close to the end of our time. Are, are there any other uh, aspects of, of assisting or podcast producing or... Any aspects of your business, Mandy, that we we should talk about?
1: No, I think I might like to come back and do a episode just on the podcasting audio aspect if people are interested in that. So maybe we'll we'll get me on for that again in the future.
0: Yeah, that'd be awesome.
1: Yeah, I think that'd be great.
0: All right, well let's uh, let's get into the picks then. Eric, do you want to start us off with picks? Sure. So I have
5: two. Um, first one is called "Why I Like the Term Author Publisher." Um, it's by an author. He basically Talks about how self the term self publishing or a self published author is kind of has a bad taste for him. Um, it's one of it's the guy has some language kind of not safe for work whatever, but he's really funny, really good writer. Uh, the second one I mentioned, um, Rob Walling has hired a lot of VAs, and he actually made a like a video course on how to hire a VA. Um, I've talked to him in the past about his process, and I've actually bought this from him. And this is the exact I, I mean literally like word for word I took what he talked in here. And use it to hire the VA I have now. Um, It's a paid course, but I think it's worth it if you're really serious about hiring someone. And like I said, as I'm basically, you know, right now it's about ten hours a week, and she's probably saving me easily five to ten of those hours of my own time. So it's well worth it if you're actually busy and have work. You can outsource. All right,
0: Ash, what are your picks?
4: Yeah. So as I mentioned earlier, I have a really rough time with email. I get a ridiculous amount of email every day. And I've done a lot of stuff to uh, automate that as much as possible, um, but it's not quite to where I would like. And I was very happy that uh, last week I was able to get to inbox zero for the first time since July. So that was a really big deal for me. Um, so balloons and confetti, that yeah, was really great. Um, so <laughs> my, <laughs> it's like, you, know, I cried, like I literally cried answering my last email, so um, so all of my picks today are relating to email. Um, the first one is a Chrome extension called KeyRocket, and it's an extension specifically for Gmail that will help you memorize all of the keyboard shortcuts that go along with using Gmail. My biggest thing is I've been using Gmail basically since it's been around, and they didn't always have keyboard shortcuts, so I have always used it the same way, but I'm trying to get more efficient. So that really helps. It basically just reminds you every time you didn't use a keyboard shortcut for something, what the keyboard shortcut for that action is. Uh, the next one is an app called The Email Game. And this is by the same people who created Boomerang. If uh, you remember some shows ago, I re- recommended Boomerang. But basically, it, it it gamifies answering your email. So it challenge you, challenges you based on the length of an email or... Um, how complicated an email seems to be to answer an email in a certain amount of time. Um, so it gives you a certain amount of time to read it and a, a certain amount of time to respond. Um, so it kind of forces you to take action on it immediately, um, which is difficult for me because a lot of my emails are complex and involved, and those are always the ones that I want to answer last. Like I keep joking that I want a, a Gmail extension that will basically sort my emails by um, shortest to longest so I can answer, answer all the shortest ones right away. So that one is really neat. Uh, And the third one is a set of blog posts that I've written over the past few years about how I manage email. I have a really complex setup to manage multiple email accounts from one inbox. I also talk about um, more complex use of filtering and labels. And also kind of my methodology for having people send me email. Like I have uh, this thing that I put in all of my email signatures about... Um, you know, please ask me before you send me an email so I can figure out if it's something that I can actually help you with beforehand or if it's something we can just do over Twitter instead of kind of giving people the space to ask, you know, tons of things or expand on a ton of things that don't necessarily need it. So, so those, are, those are my three things, all in email.
3: All right. Curtis, what are your picks? I've got two today. Uh, the first one is 1Password4, which just came out, has a bunch of new updates and even does uh, multiple vaults. Although there's a caveat there, uh, if you're syncing with Dropbox to your iOS devices, but a multiple vault would mean that, like Chuck, you could share just passwords you wanted um, Mandy to have with her, and it would sync back and forth all the time. Um, so you can, like, divvy up all your passwords. I can share all my client passwords with, your with like, a VA. Uh, and the second one is the Harvest Mac Tracker. I have recommended Ronin before as the billing software I use, and then they went and did something dumb and, you know, got bought by GoDaddy, so... <laughs> I am on the uh, lookout for a new one, and I'm uh, sure their like bank. I'm sure, I'm sure their bank accounts are not calling it dumb, but maybe their clients are. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe we'll have to see. I'm uh, looking probably at Harvest uh, now, and they have a really nice uh, Mac app, which is just a timer right on your desktop, which is awesome.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I use that too. Very, very handy. Reuven, have we heard your picks yet?
2: No, not yet. So I've got uh, four quick ones this week. First of all, if anyone out there listens to podcasts, and I think at least a few of our listeners do, so I've been, I have an Android phone, and I've been using Double Twist for, I don't know, quite a while now, and it syncs very nicely with my Mac and iTunes and everything, so I've really been enjoying that. Uh, Those of you who enjoy politics, and I really, uh, I I tell people I don't follow sports, but I do follow politics, and so there's this wonderful blog called Political Wire, which really, it's nonpartisan, picks out great quotes, great information, updates, for political junkies, it's super great. Uh, Waze is, uh, I think they're starting to make inroads into the U.S. as well, uh, so to speak. But they're super popular in Israel. So much so that there was a bug in Waze, uh, which is like a social GPS program you get for your smartphone. And apparently about a year or two ago, there was a bug in Waze that sent people, like, sent enormous numbers of Israelis into traffic as opposed to away from it and caused huge traffic jams in Tel Aviv. Other than that, it's been very popular and very positive and uh, so I definitely recommend people try it and I managed to amuse slash horrify my family a few weeks ago coming back from a vacation uh, where I decided to just sort of randomly choose languages to have it announce directions in so yeah, first it was in Spanish then in chinese it was, it was it was great fun um, and potentially a good way to learn new languages folks. And the last thing is uh, if you're into tea, I really like uh, the Republic of tea has a, an almond vanilla tea, which is super delicious. I bring it with me everywhere I go with a little bit of milk, highly recommended both uh, by itself or, uh, or in the decaf version. So anyway, those are my, uh, those are my picks.
0: All right. I've got a bunch of picks here that I'm going to share. The The first one is your first virtual That's Jonathan Shank. I mentioned him earlier. We actually shared a room at new media expo this year and, uh, He's just a super awesome guy, and uh, he's talked to several people about uh, finding virtual assistants, and, and he's he's an expert in, in using Odesk, but he, he really does have some expertise in the other areas of hiring more long-term in the U.S. virtual assistants, if that's what you need. I've also spent a bit of time getting to know Chef, which is a DevOps system, and so uh, I'm going to pick Chef. You can also get a hosted version of Chef because it, it does client server. You can also use Chef Solo, but I've been using the client server. And you can get a free trial. It'll let you have up to five machines and uh, works great. So uh, you can go and sign up for that um, on OpsCode's website. I followed a tutorial by Nathan Harvey. And then just this morning, he actually helped me uh, find two bugs in the Apache 2 cookbook where I was having trouble. We just went and explored some of that stuff and figured out what the problems were. And so I'm picking Nathan, and I'm also picking his tutorial as well. His tutorial has videos that walk you through um, most of the things that you're going to need to know for setting up Chef. And finally, when Ash was talking about her email and uh, you know only having people email her if she thinks they can, she can help them, I have people email me all the time with quote-unquote quick questions. And, uh, my response, if I don't have time to answer, um, I actually use text expander, which is my pick. And if I type NNO, uh, then it'll actually replace it with, hi, I really want to help you, but I'm really sorry. Um, I have these other things going on and I just can't get away from them, you know? And so in order for me to get the stuff that's important done, I'm going to have to tell you no, but, uh, you know, maybe somebody else, you know, here or there will help you out. And, uh, you know, if if I feel like it's important or I feel like I have a few minutes, I'll try and help them. But a lot of times I just, I can't. And so it's nice to have a way for me to just say no without being a jerk. And so that works out pretty nicely. Mandy, what are your picks?
1: All right. Well, the first one I have is a little Mac app called Caffeine. And that is just a little program that puts an icon on your menu bar and you click it to prevent your Mac from automatically going to sleep or dimming the screen or, or start uh, screen savers. That's really handy sometimes for a lot of the stuff I do because sometimes I just need to get up and go get a drink quick or go to the bathroom, and so my work is not interrupted. The second pick I have is... A free ebook from help scout it's called 10 stories of unforgettable customer service this was an amazing short little book It it took me 20 minutes to read on the way back from a day trip to the beach and it's just uh, customer service just people going out of their way to make other people's lives happier or just little acts of you know going the extra mile for customers um, so I would definitely check that out like I said it's a really quick quick read the third pick I have is a little website from Quora and I came across it and it's just what are the best new products that people don't know about and it's just this thread of awesome like inventions I mean, there's a, a wall plug that has you know, you can use as a safe. There's this really cool tray to carry wine glasses. There is a wearable wireless mouse. And then there's independent kids where they have this really small, simple tool so that water comes out further instead of straight down so your your toddler or child can wash their hands more easily without your help. And it's just these cool little inventions that would actually make a lot of our lives a lot easier. And then my last pick is just Netflix. I recently got into that. I really, truly do love watching TV shows, but you know, everybody gets upset every week when you're like, Oh, come on, I have to wait till next week to watch the next episode. So I'm always late to the party. But this past two months, I watched the whole series of weeds at my leisure at once. And that was so cool. And now I'm doing the same thing with Breaking Bad. So I'm just going straight through those episodes. And it's kind of my way to unwind after a work day and just relax. So those are my picks.
0: Awesome. All right. Well, thanks for coming, Mandy, talking to us.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Really appreciate all the work you do. It, it really makes a big difference. My pleasure. All right. Well, before we wrap up, I do want to remind everybody to go read Joe's book, uh, The Healthy Programmer. You can get it at pragprog.com. Uh, we'll also have a link in the show notes. And we'll wrap up the show. We'll catch you all next week.